Welcome back to Burn the Haystack with Josh and Jesse and TJ. I'm Jesse. Hi. <laughs> and I'm talking over Jesse. I'm TJ, the loudmouth. <laughs> and um, Josh is. I'm Josh. And this is a podcast to help you save the best <laughs> and burn the rest of your culture and faith practices. We're still we're still hanging on to our vestiges of tradition. We still have to do it every week. Yeah, man. Um, that was one of the most awkward introductions we've ever done, but we're going to keep going anyway because it's fun. Um, now, for those of you who don't know, uh, TJ is a new friend of ours and a sort of distance friend who we've met through basically Facebook. The Adventist <laughs> Professional Minister's Facebook page, I suppose, the Facebook group. Yeah. Yeah. Are we allowed to let people know that page exists? I don't even know. I don't know. It's a secret. It's a secret? Is it a secret? All mm. right. No, don't forget you heard that. I think it's yeah. a secret group. Mm. Yeah, because not so. not everybody can join it, obviously. And there have been a few people that have like infiltrated it, but then they've been they've been caught and and kicked out unceremoniously, tar and <laughs> <Yeah>. feathered. <laughs> anyway, so we have it's basically like a Facebook group of just Adventist professional ministers, and we just um, chat about things that have happened or get some wisdom. It's mm. a pretty helpful group, and there's also some good memes in there, but. Anyway, we uh, met TJ through this group because there are some discussions that come up and you see some people with some viewpoints and others with other viewpoints and we found ourselves on the same fence quite a few times with TJ. So (laughs) (laughs) we enjoy watching TJ's comments because he's very good at it. So (laughs) TJ, could you please let let the Burn the Haystack community know a little bit about who you are? Well, um, I am currently pastoring in the Oklahoma Conference um, in the North American Division, and I'm living in Oklahoma. I've been here for about four years. I'd never actually stepped foot into Oklahoma until I was hired to work here. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I got my, um, my degree from Southwestern Adventist University, and my senior year, you know, different conferences come through, and interview the seniors and so i got hired from there so um went from texas to here before that i am from alabama roll tide um and uh yeah so i'm just a guy that you know i i love to talk um i love to burn things and um so i guess that's probably why you brought me onto this show (laughs) (laughs) oh that's awesome how long have you been a pastor for tj um, I got, I was hired in May of 2016. Um, I did do, uh, you know, two years of student pastoring when I was in school. And then prior to that, when I was in Alabama, I guess I was sort of, you know, doing some lay pastoring. Um, yeah. I had some pastor friends that, you know, would have me preach or come and sort of, you know, test out, see what it's like to be a pastor when they were maybe in, in a different church in their district. And, um, mm. so I got a peek into the, the pastor's life. Um, and now I'm, my, I'm living it and, um, it's definitely a mixed bag. You know, it, it's, it can be terrible and depressing and so lonely at times, but then, um, when it's rewarding, like it's so rewarding. Like right now I'm, I'm doing, uh, Bible studies with, uh, three different kids, like, uh, ranging from age eight to 12 and just like studying with them and hearing their questions and you know seeing them get excited about the bible and about jesus oh it's so rewarding and then doing the baptisms too um you know that that that's a feeling that you really can't describe you just you you just you got to be there in the moment and um sort of uh keep those feelings in the back pocket for those rough times that will surely come (laughs) Mm, yeah, yeah yeah oh that's awesome um, yeah, hey, so today we're going to be talking about a pretty interesting topic that, I mean, a lot of us have had it come up in, in I don't know, in conversations somewhere. It's often more of a thing in traditional churches, I see, uh, nowadays. But we're going to be talking about jewelry, adornment. Um, is there another word I should be using there as well to describe this? Nope, those are good. Um, Jezebelness? And, 
What, Je- did you say Jezebelness? I don't know. It's like, isn't Jezebel like always like that term that we get when describing somebody who's like got lots of jewelry and she's like blinged out and all that sort of thing? I don't know. Goodness. That's the whore of Babylon. Ah, uh, yes. But I mean, I, when you look at the pictures of Jezebel and the whore of Babylon, like they look very similar. I yeah. think they, you know, there's a connection there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, uh, but. Before we get into the heavy stuff, obviously, we have to have the real content of the day. Um, <laughs> the question of the week. So we've got... Uh, TJ's going to join us for the question of the week this time, which is fun. Um, so the question of the week is... You have now been granted the ability to transform into an animal for a total of 30 minutes a day. But you can only transform into one animal and only for a exact limit of 30 minutes a day. So if you, and you know, so if you are like going over that 30 minute mark, you will instantly transform back into your regular self. What animal do you choose? Mm. And this decision is permanent. <laughs> <laughs> you know, these questions, I've heard a lot of them on other uh, episodes, and I was a little worried about this. They've been some hard ones, but this one, as soon as you said it, I had an answer in my mind. Um, I'm, I'm a big cat person. I love cats, and I think nice. that they're cool and like they're independent and they're they're jerks. Um, and <laughs> they just do whatever they want. And um, I want that because a lot of the times when I do the things that I want, I get in trouble for it. Um, so I just 30 minutes a day, I'll be a cat. You know, I'll scratch up your furniture. I'll jump on the counter. I'll, I'll do all of that. You know, I'll be a poltergeist at nighttime, you know, opening and, and slamming drawers. Yeah, cat all the way. I love That's it. That's a great answer. That is, yeah. May have been the same answer I had. <laughs> I'm going to have to think of a new one. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to steal the other one that, that Josh obviously was going to go for, and that is a bird. Got to be a bird. I'm thinking like maybe like a bird of prey, like an eagle or an osprey or a falcon. Because I don't know. They're just... You got to pick one, man. All right. A falcon. I think that's, that's like, oh, it's fairly arbitrary. But I like, I don't know. I love birds of prey. I think they're majestic. I love flying. Being able to fly for free is cool. And also, like, when you're a bird of prey, when you're a falcon, you're, like, the king of the air. Like, nobody's going to mess with you unless there's a bigger falcon or something else. I don't know. There's there's probably some bird watchers that are going, yeah, but, like, if you're this bird, then this other bird is probably going to prey on you. I don't know. So, but, mm. I don't know. I just, like, I just like being a bird. Yeah. Why don't you just go full Hast Eagle, man? Ooh, Hast Eagle. Go going for the just turn into this giant Bro, eagle that can eat emus. I didn't know that we could go for extinct extinct animals. If that was the case, I would have gone with full on like dinosaur, bro. Like T Rex. What, pterodactyl? Pterodactyl. Whoa. Well, <laughs> yeah. I, I guess you could go for extinct. I guess there's no problem there. <laughs> TJ for um TJ, have you heard of a Hast Eagle before? I haven't. A Haast eagle is a now extinct eagle native to New Zealand that uh, its main food source was the moa. You've heard of the moa, right? Like the giant uh, flightless bird, kind of like a... Also extinct. Also extinct. It's like... An emu? Yeah, it's kind of like an emu. um, Emu. Sorry. <laughs> I'm not a bird expert. No, I'm not a bird clearly. expert. Clearly, none Though of us are bird I experts. Did, I worked at the uh, the dinosaur museum at Southwestern Adventist University uh, while I was there, so I'm I'm a bit of a dinosaur expert, or at least I used to be. I haven't really talked about that wow. in a few years. That's pretty. That's, that's pretty, pretty cool. cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but anyway, the random Haast fact: eagle, the Haast eagle used to prey on the, the moa. The moa was its main food source. So the Hasig is the largest eagle that's ever existed. <clears throat> absolutely massive. Can carry away a sheep, can carry away a child, can carry away a moa. And um, when the, the Maori first came to New Zealand in their canoes, um, they hunted the moa to extinction, which then in turn made the Haast eagle go extinct because its main food source disappeared. Sort of like how the mm-hmm. Megalodon went extinct when its main food sources uh, went away. So just uh, just learning. just You know, we're just learning here, people. Just just learning all sorts of stuff. Yeah. So is that maybe where J.R.R. Tolkien got his uh, idea? Could be. Yeah. It actually is. Yeah? 
There yeah, you go. no, it le- legitimately is. There you go. I don't yeah. even know that. There you go. <laughs> yep. Just and more uh, Peter Jackson even used the um, exact color scheme. Wow. Mm. So wow. anyway, there you go. Amazing. Uh, well, my one wasn't going to be an eagle or a flying bird because I thought about it and I'm like, well, if I'm flying and I accidentally go over the 30 minute mark, I'm going to plummet to my death. <laughs> so that's why I didn't choose a bird because there's no way you can't tell the time. So you got to sort of play it safe. So I wanted to go with a lemur. Ooh. Because then I can climb around, have heaps of fun for 30 minutes a day, you know, jet around, do whatever I want. And everybody will think you're adorable. <laughs> Except for the fact that they're not native to New Zealand. So there would be a little bit of trouble there. But still, 30 minutes a day of just jumping around, having a massive tail. Sounds sounds fun. I don't know. <laughs> Black and white striped ones, right? The real yep. long tail. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think they're so cool. Mm. And they could pretty much climb just as well as monkeys and stuff so but they're smaller and nimble and I they kind of look like cat i reckon they're cuter yeah i wouldn't i thought about a monkey but i don't i don't want to look like a monkey well you already do so day. that's all good ha 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 okay i'm sorry that comment didn't surprise me i, I saw it coming yeah. as soon as as soon as you made that just comment, laid it out Joshua. just laid it out right in front <laughs> yep. of you yeah all i right. made myself open thinking i was around friends but <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> all right, okay. Friends don't let other friends think about becoming monkeys. <laughs> Words to live by. All right, that's the episode. Thanks, everyone. No, okay. All right, okay. See you next week. <laughs> all right, let's get into it. Uh, jewelry and stuff and adornment. Um, so this is something that's been around really. I don't know for quite a while in Adventism. Um, I'm actually not sure where it initially came from in our movement. But um, anyway, it's uh, something that's kind of, I think, maybe a bigger issue in America at the moment. I don't hear about it as much in Australia and New Zealand, like our neck of the woods. So, um, But talking to TJ about it, it sounds like some really interesting content to cover today. So I'm really excited about it. So let's get into it. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's. Um, I'm jealous that you guys don't deal with this um it i guess it depends on the circles you run in but uh you know here in america you can definitely deal with this issue on a weekly basis Uh, wow it yeah it's it's sad and i think the biggest problem is um and this really it's tied into a lot of the issues we have in adventism is at some point we as a movement decided that we were going to allow independent ministries to sort of take over and control the narrative in terms of what is Adventist and what our theology is about. Mm. Um, So uh, I I think a lot of it stems from that. And um, even though like our, you know, the 22nd fundamental belief and the baptismal vows, like, you know, they've, they've sort of removed uh, some of the condemnation that used to be in there in terms of jewelry and adornment. Um, these independent ministries still push it pretty hard, um, even to the point where, you know, like if you are wanting to be baptized, like you are not going to get into that water. If you got earrings on, you're not going to get into that water. You got a a wedding ring on. I've heard places that do it like that. Yeah, that's insane. Do you have any idea, TJ, where this whole thing started? Because I know this is not... Uh, this is not unique to Adventism, but obviously, I mean, that's the context that we're speaking from. Do you have any idea where this started, why this became um, such a big deal? Because it seems like one of those, it, to me, it just seems like an overblown issue. But I guess for some people, they don't see it that way. Well, you know, as far back as I can see, it it looks like this was um, part of the movement from the beginning, and, uh, you know, when you look at other Christian denominations in America during that time in the 1800s, uh, you see a, a similar thing. It's sort of that, you know, Puritan mindset um, that was still there. And I, I think it just grew from there. And what I've noticed is that people that tend to push this and ministries that tend to push this as a morality issue, they've got verses, Right. And, and, and they point to these verses, but um, they leave a lot of it out. And 
what I have found is that for every verse that seems to condemn jewelry and adornment, there are usually two or three that seem to speak of it in a positive light. Um, <laughs> oh, so that should wow. tell us something, you know, right? There, there's more to the story here. What is the context? What is yeah. the context? But um, yeah, in terms of the history, it, it, it's been there as far back as you can look at Adventist writings and beliefs, you know, um, there are definitely times when it was emphasized more or less, but um, kind of just been floating around since the beginning. Mm-hmm. No, that's interesting. Um, you, you mentioned some of the texts, and I think for today, the context of our conversation, we are going to be spending a bit of time in Scripture, just having a look at this. Um, so I don't know how you want to do this, TJ. Do you want to go to the, I love how you term it, the clobber text, the people that, the, the text that people hit other people over the head with first and talk about that? Do you want to talk about some of the, the texts that put jewelry in a positive light? Um, totally up to you, man, where we go with this. Yeah, let's let's go ahead and look at the clobber text, um, just because they are well known. And um, uh, if you know, for those of you that are listening, if you're sitting at home and you pull out your Bible, um, you're you're going to be familiar with these texts. But for those of you that are maybe listening, you're walking, you're driving, or whatever, I'm going to read those. Um, so let's just take you know four of the main ones, um, look at them, and then. Let's talk about it a little bit, uh, the, the context and the meaning. Um, the, the first one is 1 Timothy 2, 8 through 10. Um, this one, uh, I'm, I'm just going to read it. I'm just going to read it. The so 1 <laughs> Timothy 2, 8, 9, and 10. And this is from the New King James Version. I desire, therefore, that the men everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting, In like manner also that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or or gold or pearls or costly clothing, but which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. Mm. So can we just be honest here? And say that this verse is pretty ambiguous, right? Um, mm. There's a lot said in a short amount of time, but I, I think that we also need to be honest and not skip over important context words like modest and moderation and costly. Usually, when this verse is talked about, it's just we zero right in on gold uh, and pearls. We see gold and pearls right there in the middle, and forget yes. about everything in the beginning and and the end. Um, mm. So so I I don't think that anybody here, you know, is trying to argue with the fact that good works in the name of Jesus are better than outward adornment in terms of godly profession. Um, Mm. And that doesn't necessarily mean that adornment is wrong, though. Mm. And that's where I think people get hung up. Um, But, you know, I personally think it's kind of funny how the same folks that love to use this verse to judge people about jewelry are the same folks who will speak out ag- against like raising hands in a worship service during <laughs> yeah. during the song. And it's a little disingenuous to pick and choose since this verse clearly speaks of raising hands in a positive light, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. I think if, it, if you're coming um, at this from a like a plain reading of scripture that a lot of these sorts yeah. of people like like this this is just a plain reading of scripture. You just gotta. This is what it says. So you gotta do it. And, and we zero in on the the jewels, the gold, the pearls. But as you say, if we're gonna do a plain reading of scripture, we gotta do a plain reading of the whole passage. Yeah, yeah. In the context, um, and I I personally I don't see this verse condemning jewelry, um, but instead I think it's reminding us to be mindful of cost, to be mindful of moderation. Um, areas that both that people on both sides of this issue uh, agree with. Yeah. That's the main focus here. You know, yeah, don't go spend your your weekly paycheck just on jewelry so that you can look nice on the outside. Um, you know, don't be walking around with so much jewelry that you're going to have back and neck problems now because you know it's weighing you down. Like, you know, have some moderation with what you're wearing. <laughs> Yeah, so it's almost like a it's almost like a it's almost like a stewardship text instead of. I don't know. That's definitely an aspect of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And once again, when you talk about stewardship, um, 
you know, the Bible is fairly ambiguous on that. You know, there's a principle, but, but when it comes to the rules, what might be right for me might be wrong for you and vice versa. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm really yeah. glad you said that because I think that's like, as we go through the um, these texts, I think that idea of a principle that you can apply without necessarily applying the text literalistically, I think is so important. And we, we definitely get that wrong most of the time. We, we, we take a text like this and we try and apply it literally or literalistically without seeking to understand what's the principle here. And I think um, what you said is so so true, that the principle is far more powerful than just reading something and trying to obey it on a face value. Mm. Yeah, and a, a rule without a principle is a bad rule, and it should be questioned. And, um, you know, I think, in most cases, it shouldn't be followed either. Mm. Um, you know, it's like the the Ten Commandments. A lot of times, people look at them as just rules, but there are principles underlying those rules. And the principle is, uh, you know, that God wants us to be a better lover, a lover of of other people, a lover of ourselves, and a lover of Him. Um, mm. And you can definitely keep the commandments, you know, the letter of the law, and hate yourself or hate other people. Um, so, you know, what, what's the principle? And that's what, when I look at these verses, um, I, I want to find the principle. Like, let, let's talk about it. And I know that a lot of people that are against jewelry that think it's a morality issue, um, you know, they usually don't want to talk about it. And my biggest thing is like, let, let's have, let's have some dialogue here. Mm -hmm. You know, truth will stand up to error. Um, don't just shut out these types of conversations because what I have found in my ministry is that the younger generation wants to dialogue about these things because they, they're they're studying these things out and they're finding the principles and then they're seeing that the rules that have been put into play don't always line up with the principle that they find in scripture. Yeah, mm. yeah, no, that's so true. That's so true. Yeah. It almost reminds me of like gotcha journalism in a way. Like here's the text. Yeah, I gotcha. Let's move on. I've got authority. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's like you slap somebody in the face and then run run away. Yeah, that <laughs> definitely is a good way to drive younger generations away from the faith. Um, not, yeah. Not towards it. Yeah. So let's look at another one. Uh, Old Testament, Isaiah three, um, and and really to get the full context, you've got to look at at verses eighteen through through twenty three. Um, but I, I just want to look at the 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 main uh, actually no you need to go back to verse 15. So Isaiah 3 15 through 23 is the full context but usually for those that use this text to say jewelry is wrong or sinful, they focus on verses 18 through 23 which says in that day the Lord will take away the finery, the jingling anklets, the scarves, and the crescents, the pendants, the bracelets, and the veils, the headdresses, the leg ornaments, and the headbands, the perfume boxes, the charms, and the rings, the nose jewels, the festal apparel, and the mantles, the outer garments, the purses, and the mirrors, the fine linen, the turbans, and the robes. <laughs> so that, when you just read those verses, it seems like, wow, God is pretty <laughs> upset about all of this stuff, and he's Not just going to take it away. Anything but the mirrors. <laughs> yeah, oh, no. <laughs> the uh, which the is tenons. actually kind of funny. There, there was an old, uh, you know, uh, a law that the Pharisees followed that on the Sabbath you could not look in the mirror because you might be tempted to maybe pluck a gray hair, and they consider that work. <laughs> oh. um, so... <laughs> Uh, so what is the context, though, of these verses? Verse 15, 16, and 17 tells us that all of the adornments are being removed because the people were crushing each other and, quote-unquote, grinding the faces of the poor. They were acting haughty, hateful, and prideful. So this was the issue, not adornment itself. And so with that context in mind, um, I think... Don't think it is smart to use this verse as a clobbered text against jewelry and adornment. But I also find it, similar to the last text we looked at, quite comical that most people who are against jewelry zero in on the parts of these verses that specifically mention bracelets, pendants, ornaments, anklets. But they don't have any problem with the people in church that wear scarves or 
have of the church itself, uh, the ladies that have purses, the, the fl- fine clothes that people wear, the perfume, and all of those are also taken away in this verse. They're, they're put together with the jewelry and the adornment. So if the jewelry and the adornment is sin, then all these other things have to go too. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. No yeah, scarves wow. in church, anyone. We don't have <laughs> enough money for, air co- uh, for, for a heater, but no <laughs> scarves in church. <laughs> anyway, all right. <laughs> Yeah. So, First um, Peter two nine. Now, this one doesn't necessarily speak on jewelry, but I've heard it used a lot because First mm. Peter two nine. It's but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. His what the King James version says, peculiar people, mm, that you that may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So that word peculiar, that's where the hang-up comes from. And so this Greek word that is translated in the KJV as peculiar, it's this weird word, peripoiesis, peripoiesis. And it has to do with possession, and property, mm. not anything strange, strange or weird. I personally think that's not the best translation in the KJV, and other translations pick up on that. Um, but if you don't believe that, uh, if you don't know the Greek, you can look at other verses where this Greek word is used. And in Ephesians 1, the word is translated purchased possession. And in 1 Thessalonians 2.14, it's translated as to obtain. Um, so this verse, it makes the point that we are chosen, we're royal, we're holy, and peculiar or um, special is probably the best uh, translation that I have seen. Not because of how we look, but because we first re- refused mercy, and then we accepted and obtained it. So this verse isn't talking about outward appearance at all. Yeah, that's where most people jump with it. You know, I, I've heard that so many times with Adventists, right? We're, we're supposed to be peculiar. We're supposed to be strange and weird when people look at us that way. That's a good thing. <laughs> we're living up to 1 Peter 2.9. It's like a modern yeah. badge of honor. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I've thought about that too. I mean, people being... They're, they're, it's like some people strive to be peculiar more for the sake of being peculiar rather than the sake of following Christ in a way. Yeah. I don't know, like they hold up the things that make them peculiar in modern society rather than the things that would really make them peculiar, which is actually meant to be the way that we love one another. But yeah. Anyway. Exactly. Yeah. That That's the point. People want to be strange and peculiar because they think that that is what shows the world that they're truly Christians. But John thirteen thirty five lets us know that the way we let people know we're Christians is not because of our outward appearances, as you said, because we love one another. And that's hard to do, right? When someone's <laughs> attacking you and telling you you're going to hell because you're wearing a wedding ring. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> yeah. we're still called to love one another. Yeah. And, um, you know, I rarely hear anybody use these texts and condemn the dress of another Christian in a loving way. Yeah, no, it's much easier for me to feel good about myself, um, not wearing a wedding band or jewelry or eating vegan as opposed to meat or whatever, than to actually do real sacrificial love to my brother and sister or, heaven forbid, somebody who I have nothing in common with, you know, out in the world, quote unquote. Right, right. So something else that um, I hear a lot is this question, well, didn't the children of Israel take off their jewelry in the wilderness? And yes, but that's exactly where the problem came from. God told them to put the jewelry on when they left Egypt. They didn't take it off as a way of showing their allegiance to God. In fact, they took it off for the opposite reason, right? They believed that, you know, God had abandoned them and Moses was dead somewhere way up on that mountain. So they took off their jewelry, brought it to Aaron and said, hey, make us a God. Make us a golden calf with this jewelry. And then Exodus 33, verses 3 through 4, it tells us that they didn't keep their jewelry off because they now thought it was evil, but instead they were mourning at what they had done. Mm. You know, this is a cultural thing. Similar to in America, when you go to a funeral, the cultural thing is you wear black. You know, it's a sign of of mourning. 
And then they mm-hmm. donated much of their jewelry as a free will offering. That's what Exodus tells us to help build the tabernacle, to make it look nice, to adorn it. But they didn't give it all away because a lot of these verses that we're about to look at speaking positively about jewelry, they take place after the fact. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the children of Israel, they've got jewelry on again. <laughs> yeah. No, that's interesting. That's super interesting. All right. So let's, if you if you um, have anything else you want to add to that, uh, feel free to. Yeah, let me, yeah, go let me touch on one more. First uh, Peter 3, 3 through 4. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. And so the word merely is extremely important here. Do not let your adornment be merely outward. So we shouldn't be wearing outward adornment to try and hide a rough or loud or abusive inward spirit. In other words, don't let your outward appearance be a crutch for a judgmental spirit that you're holding inside. Wow. Snap. You know, yeah, yeah. And those that condemn this, you know, they use this verse to condemn jewelry. They seem to skip over the parts in this verse. Once again, like that first verse we looked at um, about making our hair look nice or wearing our Sabbath best, because that's what you know happens when you are arranging your hair or putting on fine apparel. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because in many of the verses that you've already mentioned, you could just as easily switch out jewelry with a nice suit and the principle would still be applied, you know? And yeah. We don't yeah. speak out against a really nice tie or a pinstripe suit, even though that is obviously a point of pride for so many people going to church every Saturday or every Sunday. You know, look how good I look. I'm in my Sabbath best. I'm in my Sunday best. And it's the same spiritual condition of like pride and look how great I am sort of thing, which is just as equally bad. Yeah. It, well, I mean, really, pride, I think, is the root of every sin. And I believe it's the, the root of sin in general. Like, that's how it started, right? It, it was pride. Someone wanting to be like God. Mm, that's right. Yeah. So, these these clobber texts, um, and I'm sure that many people listening to this, they've heard these, and maybe they've been clobbered by them. So what I want to do, and, and I try to help educate people that, that have these struggles with jewelry, um, you know, point to some of these other verses that maybe they haven't read from an Amazing Facts Bible study, or they haven't seen from, you know, a, a presentation from Secrets Unsealed or, or, or whoever, you know, when you, when you look at these independent ministries. Um, so Genesis 22, God points out Rebecca to Abraham's servant, right? Because she's going to be Isaac's wife and the servant then gives her jewelry of silver and gold. He places bracelets on her wrists and he even goes so far to put a nose ring in her nose. Um, that's jewelry. And God doesn't seem to have an issue with it. Um, and this was a time when, uh, once again, it, it seems like God is just like walking beside people and, you know, talking in their ear and leading them this way. So if this was a huge sin issue, why didn't he say something there? Um, and then, you know, talking about the Exodus, uh, you know, if you look at Exodus three twenty-two, um, God was very specific. And he said, hey, when you guys leave Egypt, I want you to take these articles of silver and articles of gold and this fine apparel, put them on your sons and daughters and then leave. So he wasn't saying, hey, get out of Egypt with all of its idolatry and leave the jewelry behind. No, he said, leave the idolatry and bring the jewelry with you. And could it be possible that some of this jewelry, this silver and gold, they could have been religious Articles, yep. amulets, bracelets, yeah, yep. you know, pagan. Yep. Right, right. But God is, he's in the business of taking things that are unclean and, and making them clean. And, you know, you look at like, you know, Numbers and Leviticus and Deuteronomy, you, we don't see that picture. It's more of if something's unclean, don't touch it because it can make you dirty. But then you see that vision in Isaiah 6, right, where, where he's in the temple and he's like, oh, I'm undone, I'm unclean. The, the cherubim takes that coal, 
from the altar, touches his lips, and he becomes clean. It's a, mm. it's a progression. And then Jesus lives up to that too, right? When he calls Peter, he's out there on the boat, and he's telling Peter, you know, to, to, to throw the net down into the, the deep in the middle of the day, which is not when you, you know, fish in, 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 the, the, in Gennesaret. But anyways, um, when he realizes this is the Messiah, this man is clean and I'm unclean, he says, depart from me. And Jesus says, uh-uh, no, I've come here to touch the bleeding lady and make her clean, to touch the leper and make him whole. Like, it, we got we got to get out of this old mindset because, yeah. yes, it was given to the children of Israel, but then it progressed mm. through the Old Testament into the New Testament. Okay, sorry, I'm, I'm getting on my... On it's good, man. Here. It's um, good. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> um. Okay, so quickly, let me let me just run through a few more verses here. Proverbs 1, 8 through 9. My son, hear the instruction of your father. Do not forsake the law of your mother, for they will be a graceful ornament on your head and chains around your neck. Mm. Okay, so listening to mom and dad is comparable to uh, wearing jewelry. If jewelry was sinful, why would that comparison be made? And then in Ezekiel 16, 8 through 14, God says that he's entered into a covenant with Israel and they have become his people. And then it goes on to say that God dresses them in silk and fine linen, ornaments, bracelets, necklaces, earrings, a crown. And once again, we see that nose ring. Would God use such language, such symbolism if jewelry and adornment were sinful? Mm. That, that, that's the question. That's the question. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. In Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verses 10 and 11, Solomon describes the beloved as wearing makeup and necklaces of gold and silver. And then he goes on even in chapter 4 and mentions a necklace again. In Jeremiah 2.32, it stated that a young woman doesn't forget her jewelry and a bride doesn't forget her wedding ornaments. And are we not, as Christians, the bride of Christ? Ooh. Yeah, there it is. And <laughs> in Isaiah 49, God restores the children of Israel and compares their joy to the beauty of a bride decked out in ornaments for her husband. And then in Isaiah 61, he compares the robe of salvation. That's not just a New New Testament uh, concept. I know yeah. some, some Christians think that. But he compares the robe of salvation with a bride and groom decking themselves with jewelry and ornaments. And so to me, this verse must be discussed as it isn't just painting jewelry in a positive light, but it goes so far to compare it to salvation. Why would God use this comparison if jewelry was inherently sinful? Mm. It doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah, it's like normalizing normalizing jewelry. Like, yeah, this is just what you do. You wear jewelry. Everyone knows that, you know, and this is these are the comparisons. Like, so it's, it's interesting. It's... It's pretty interesting. Yeah, like that. I don't know. That's a really compelling argument, actually. <laughs> yeah, and so we, you know, we need to move on. We don't even have enough time on this podcast to get into all these verses in Revelation talking about adorned brides and and streets of gold and jewels mentioned over and over and over throughout those chapters in the final book of the Bible. Mm-hmm. But then you get to Jesus. There are multiple places where Jesus he views jewelry as a blessing. And he recognized the adornment used by the the devoted religious women of Israel when he said in Matthew 7, 6, Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. Mm. In other words, wear your pearls, right? Don't cast them aside. Mm. In Matthew 13, Jesus commends the merchant who sold all that he had, right, to go buy that what? That pearl of great (laughs) price. The evil And yes... Yeah, exactly. And yes, this is a parable. I realize that. But why would Jesus use the illustration of a pearl to represent the gospel of all things if pearls are inherently sinful and always lead to pride? Mm. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't I, I've yet to get a good answer there. <laughs> um And then, you know, there are other parables where Jesus speaks favorably about rings, you know, the prodigal son and coins worn as a as a headdress, you know. Um, so I, I just, I don't buy it. I don't buy the argument that the Bible condemns jewelry. Mm. Are there places where it's condemned? Yes, of course. But 
what's the principle? What's the context? What's the reasoning behind it? Yeah. And I think you could e- easily argue as well in the, like if you were somebody who was dead against jury, you could probably argue against these verses that somehow that what they're saying in in being positive to jury, oh, we can just explain that away because of this, that, and the other. But as we've said, like right at the top, you have to be consistent. And I think that, right. you know, right. a lot of what we're talking about we're talking about metaphorical language, like again and again and again. We're talking about metaphorical language, like when you're talking Isaiah and Proverbs and and all this sort of stuff. Jeremiah, dude, this is this is heavily metaphorical stuff. It it I mean, it's kind of it makes me sad in a way because when we're talking about this stuff, we are like touching on such rich, deep, wonderful biblical <clears throat> theology, and the fact that. We have to just talk about this in the context of jewelry and the fact that this is still an issue. It just makes me sad because, like, you could have the most incredible, deep, rich theological discussion around any of these verses, but we just can't get past that that first hurdle of is jewelry okay? Oh, oh, oh! I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah. But it it just blows my mind. You know, I've never actually seen all of these verses all together lined up and to see the clobber text, and there are more and there are more <laughs> but to see these clobber texts in comparison to all these other texts that view jewelry in a positive light it just i don't know it just seems ridiculous that we still have these few texts that we throw out in judgment yeah. when there is such a wealth of biblical um uh, back catalog talking about jewelry in such a great um, uh, light. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and we, we talk about principles here, right? And I believe that the biggest principles underlying this issue, it, it has to do with pride. It has to do with cost or, you know, stewardship, as you mentioned earlier, and deception. Um, and why I say deception, once again, it's... Um, Making yourself look pretty and nice on the outside when inwardly, you know, you're just dry bones. Uh, you, you have a, a hateful spirit. Um, and, you know, we, we put on these masks all the time. And sometimes it's a metaphorical mask. But sometimes, you know, we're painting our face and, and putting the, the jewelry on to try to hide something else. Um, so I'm, I'm not saying we can't talk about these issues. And I'm not saying that there aren't times when somebody should take the jewelry off because it is a stumbling block between them and their relationship with God. But what I am saying is we can't just throw it all out just because there are some people where jewelry might be an issue that that doesn't mean that, you know, we've got to say nobody can wear it now because Mm. if we, if we get into that, that headspace, we can do that with so much stuff in the Bible because there are a lot of verses in the Bible that talk about sex in a negative light. And so we can take those verses, use them as clobber texts and say, God is against sex. Sex only came about because of sin. And yes, those verses are there talking about it, but what's the context? There is a, a good way that, to use sex and there is a bad way. And it's the same with jewelry. There is a good way and a bad way. And looking at somebody's outward appearance, you know, pointing a finger when they're, you know, when they walk into church, we can't judge that. Mm-hmm. It's not our place. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, hypocrisy. That's if, if if you let me get on my soapbox for a minute. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of hypocrisy with this man-made stance on jewelry and adornment. You know, because oftentimes the same hand that is pointing at the young girl's $15 earrings has a $2,000 Rolex attached to it, right? The, <laughs> the, the deacon that wants to condemn the woman's necklace that a loved one gave to her also wants to make sure that everybody sees just how much money he's slipping into the offering plate. And a pastor may get up and preach these sermons about the, the slippery slope of young people wearing you know, silicone wristbands 
but thinks nothing of the flashy $70,000 sports car that he drives to church. Mm. You know, I, I know so many Adventists who refuse to wear wedding bands and believe that they are holier or better Christians because they opt for an engagement watch instead. You know, <laughs> like, what? I've, I've had numerous people make offhand comments about the tie clip that I wear. And my response is always the same. This tie clip, you know, they say, oh, well, that's just a dormant. It doesn't serve a purpose. And I say, no, this tie clip serves a purpose. It holds this piece of fabric that serves no purpose other than choking me in place. <laughs> you know, so it's it's my humble opinion. And, you know, take it or leave it that this stuff is hypocrisy at the highest level. It doesn't belong in the Christian church. It's the same as straining out a gnat but swallowing the camel. It's the same as pointing out the speck in your brother's eye when there's a plank in your own. It's making a mountain out of a molehill and majoring in minors. It's sad, man. It's sad. And a lot of these, you know, and I, I don't want to just... I, I don't want to say conservative Adventists, because I know many conservative Adventists that are moderate on this issue. Maybe they don't wear jewelry for themselves, but they're not judging other people. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to refer to them as, as holier-than-thou Adventists. And many of these folks, they forget that the prohibition against gold and pearls, it was removed from the baptismal vow all the way back in 1941. And the spirit of that silly rule, though, it lives on in many churches, and it chokes the life out of them. It, it chases the young people out the back door. And jewelry also used to be condemned in the twenty, you know, uh, fundamental belief 22, but it's no longer the case. Adventist culture does not equate to morality. There are so many cultural things, and we want to make them a moral issue. And once again, maybe it is for you, but just because it is for you doesn't mean it is for somebody else. If you struggle with pride, and the only reason you're putting the jewelry on is because you want to look better than him or her, well, that's an issue. Mm. But I know plenty of people that wear jewelry for a lot of other issues. <laughs> Mm. Like our reasons, sorry, other reasons why they wear it. Um, so, you know, I'd, I'd never judge anybody for following the conviction in their heart. But what drives me up the wall is when they assume that their personal conviction should be like, you know, put into law. Paul yeah. is pretty clear when he says to let every person be fully convinced, fully convinced in their own minds in Romans 14. Coercion is not Christ-like. Full stop. Oh, snap, man. Goodness. That is tweetable. <laughs> Coercion <laughs> is not Christ-like. Somebody get that. Oh, uh, so good. All right. I'm going to ask a couple of questions then. Uh, I, want to be, I want to be really practical about it. So, with, with jewelry, and obviously, I mean, we're coming from a male perspective, so we have a limited understanding, but how much is too much? Uh, you know... <laughs> when does it become a problem, I guess? I don't believe that there is a black and white answer to this because there's so yeah. much gray area. Because, like I said, there might be somebody, like, because of their struggles and because of the convictions that the Holy Spirit has placed on their heart, that maybe even wearing a wedding band for them would be sin. Or wearing one of these, you know, silicone bracelets, even if it just says John 3.16 on it, for them, it could be sin. Whereas somebody else could be, you know, have... 15 of these bands on their arm and have both their ears pierced and have, you know, their, their nose pierced. And it's not an issue for them. Maybe down the road, it might be, and God will convict them of that. But what, what I have found in life is that we're all on different levels and we all are different people struggling with different sins. And so God is going to work on those sins first that are most detrimental to our relationship with him and to others. Mm. And for most of us, wearing jewelry does not affect how I relate to other people. But my, my lying or my, my jealousy or something else definitely does get in the way. And, you know, I, I believe that God's going to come down hard on that and convict me in my heart and say, come on, TJ, I, I've laid this out here for you. You've got to make the choice here. But that doesn't mean he's making that same push on somebody else. We've got to be open to just allowing the Holy Spirit to do his job. It's not our job to judge. and It's not our job to convict or convince. 
You can share your opinion. You can share what you know. You can share your perspective, your interpretation of a Bible text. But once again, you know, Paul, Romans 14, let every man be fully convinced, every woman fully convinced in their own mind. Mm. Mm. Could you um, talk to two people for a second here? Could you first talk to the pastors who are listening to this, the ones who are preaching from the pulpit, the ones who do have uh, positions of authority, how do we talk about this in a Christ-like, freeing way? And then secondly, could you talk to that person who maybe has gotten judged for what they wear, for the way they have their hair, the way they have their makeup? Maybe they're thinking about, is this, is this, is this something, is this a hill that I want to die on? Is this something that is just going to drive me away from the church? So could you talk to the pastors first? Yeah, so, um, you know, pastors, those of you that maybe side with me on this issue, um, don't push too hard. Know your context, because, um, you know, if you are in, you know, let's say you're working in the Michigan Conference or you're working in a, in a conservative church, you know, don't get up and preach this sermon, you know, just throw it all out there and come down hard. Like a lot of times, these, uh, it takes time. You need to have conversations. Start with your leaders, you know, get the elders together and say, hey, you know, these are all the texts. Let's talk about it. You know, what what sort of stance do we want to take as a church on these issues? Um, you know, I, unless there's a serious issue going on in my church, I'm not going to turn, you know, this discussion into a sermon. Um but there are definitely individuals that I've had this conversation with one-on-one from both sides, those that have been hurt or, you know, those that, uh, you know, hurt other people with this stuff. But as a pastor, like, you know, be mindful of your congregation. In my local church, it's, I've got a mixture. I've got very conservative folks and very liberal folks, and it works. And I try to toe that, that middle line, um, and I, I don't want to chase anybody away. Um, and sometimes that's what we do when we get into these like pet areas, as I call them, um, these pet theologies that I don't think it's a moral issue. And I believe that you'd have a hard time pushing this as a moral issue when you look at all the verses going one way or the other way. Mm. Yeah. All right. So what about that person that's on the edge that has been judged and berated perhaps, or maybe just like silently judged, um, what do you what do you want to say to them? You know, I'm I, I feel your pain because I felt it and I've had loved ones feel it as well. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, you have got to find your identity in Christ and understand the freedom that comes with that. And no pastor, no church member, no conference president can take that from you. And you might have to sit with some judgment. But at the end of the day, like, look. Look at Jesus. Look at the stuff that he went through. Look at the writings of Paul, the stuff that he went through, and and his uh, warnings for Christians. He says that if if we as Christians live godly for Jesus, we're going to be persecuted. And you know, just don't don't let it. It's easier said than done. I, I don't want to come off as as dismissive to people's feelings because I know that this stuff really it can hurt deeply, but. Find people that love you for who you are. Surround yourself with those types of people. And the other noise, the people that want to judge you or tell you that you're less Christian or that you're living in sin because you're you're following the convictions of your own heart, like do your best to tone those voices down and and surround yourself with people that truly love you and will uplift the identity that you have found in Christ. And maybe you're in a church. And it's the only church around. It's the only church for 50 miles, and that's the only place. You know, I know that's really hard. But if you are in a situation where there are other churches in the area, you know, maybe you got to drive 30 minutes to get into an environment that's going to be more healthy for you. Because at the end of the day, this sort of stuff, like if you walk into church and the, the, the thing that's first and foremost in your mind is you're worried that other people are judging you, because of what you're wearing, that's not a healthy environment. And I don't believe that's what Jesus wants for you when you come to worship him with your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. 
Um, if I may, I, there was an experience I had a few years ago when I was just a student pastor um, at, a, at a local church in Australia. Um, and I was part of a worship team and um, it was a contemporary church, uh, drums and guitars and the whole, the whole thing. But there was um, one particular uh, singer on the singing team who um, she had a much more, let's say, provocative um, style of dress that, that she liked to dress. And that was, that's her choice, you know. Um, but it was really awkward for everybody else on the team because everybody else was fairly mm. modest, Christian-y, and she was kind of like a new Christian. And, and so she, nobody knew how to talk to her about it. Nobody knew how to say to her, hey, when you stand up on stage and people can see like everything, that's like really distracting. Um, and nobody wanted to be judgmental and nobody wanted to be, um, you know, come down on her too hard because we all loved her and we all wanted the best for her. One of the uh, worship, uh, the worship coordinator actually, who's this great guy, um, decided, hey, you know what? <laughs> Somebody's got to say it, so I'll say it to her. And I was there in the conversation with her and just to be back up for him, just to, you know, make sure that everything was on, on, on par. And he began by saying, hey, you know, we love your voice. We love that you're part of the team. We love your singing. But when you come to sing on Sabbath morning, would it be possible if... Um, you wear something that's a little less and then she just like cuts him off and she said, something like a little less slutty. And he and I both just stood there going, uh, uh, <laughs> what do I say? And then she just like let it hang for a minute and then laughed and she said, yes, of course, no worries. <laughs> and, and, and we yeah. just moved on. It wasn't a big deal, you know? Yeah. And, and we can do the, that because we're in relationship with her. We yes. didn't mean her any harm. And we just wanted the best for her and for everyone else. That's the biggest thing. Don't talk about jewelry. Don't talk about diet. Don't talk about dress with people you don't have a relationship with. But if you have a relationship with someone and you love them and they know you love them, you can have tough conversations. You know, I mean, the, the woman caught in adultery. What did Jesus do? You know, they, they drug her out. They were about to stone her. And at the end of the day, you know, where are your accusers? That's what he asked her. And he said, I do not accuse you either. I don't judge you. Go and sin no more. So he, he, he straight up said, like, I'm not judging you. I'm not attacking you. I'm not saying I don't love you. But there's a better way. And with relationship, you can have these tough conversations. Without relationship, you're burning bridges. Mm. Uh that's so good. That's a really good place. I think we should land the plane there. Um, yeah, that was awesome. So, Oh, what about all these? Like, I've got 45 other verses we got to go through. <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, see you for part two. No. <laughs> I, I think we did a good job. We, we covered a lot of ground. And um, I want to say one more thing. You asked go me about it. what would I say to the pastors. Um, I also want to speak to those pastors maybe that disagree with what I'm saying. And that's okay. It's fine to disagree. But what what I just want to ask of you is go check these verses out, especially the ones that seem to point uh, to paint jewelry and adornment in a positive light. Study those out and, and just pray about it. Because I know that for me, I... I used to be very legalistic and I didn't, you know, wear any jewelry. I know no wedding band, none of that. And I would judge people and attack people, but I didn't know these verses existed. All I knew were the clobber text. So if these verses are new to you, pray to the Holy spirit, ask for guidance, study them out and see where you land. You know, at the end of the day, if we disagree, we're still brothers and sisters in Christ. It's okay. I love you. And I hope you love me too. <laughs> <laughs> and for um for those of you who are listening to this conversation, um, we will make sure to have a bunch of those verses in the show notes. So while you're listening to this, you can actually look at some of these texts that um, that TJ mentioned, uh, and you can just read through them in hopefully in the order that um, that we talk about them. So we'll have something down there for you. So just go and check that out, or maybe in a blog post. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, maybe both. I don't yeah, know. We'll work that out. <laughs> who knows. <gasps> But, uh, hey, thank you so much, TJ, for joining us today and taking time out. And the extensive notes you wrote on this are fantastic. 
Um, I feel like I need to put more work in now <laughs> on all of our content. Um, but I was yeah. Praise awesome. God. Well, I really enjoyed it. Um, I'd love to come back and uh, you know continue just just discussing things, man. I mean, put, putting let's put stuff out on the table, and that's why I love this format. I, I love you know what you guys are doing with this podcast. You bring people on. Let's talk about issues. We can agree. We can disagree. But at the end of the day, you know we're all sons and daughters of the king. Mm. Mm. Amen. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And that's part of the reason we were so happy to get you on because TJ, I mean, maybe not everybody knows this, but TJ has been a long, long, long time supporter of the show, comments on stuff regularly. So, and he's been a, a, along with us for the journey. So, mm. um, yeah, just super cool to, I don't know, be able to, I, I love how the podcast can form relationships and stuff. You didn't, I didn't really think this was going to happen when we started this, but anyway, I'm getting carried yeah. away. This um, <laughs> is so we, friendship. Yeah. Friendship. I know, right? Let's get all warm and fuzzy. Um, we'll write a song. The next time I'm on, we'll have, we'll have a friendship song that we can sing for us. <laughs> yes. Keen. Keen as. All but right. if nothing keen else, I know that we have definitely burnt a haystack today. So that's always a satisfying feeling. On brand. I can smell it. It's it, it's it's got a beautiful aroma. <laughs> that burnt cheese. <laughs> All right. Yes. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Uh, hey, but we'd love to hear your your thoughts and feedback, everyone. So please get in contact with us. We just love to hear back from you. Uh, we've been getting heaps of feedback lately, which has been awesome. So even more. Um, so you can do that through social. But the best way to find all things burn the haystack is to go to burnthehaystack.org. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Burn the Haystack on whatever podcatching app that you use. And uh, if you could like, uh, if you would like to, and if you could, uh, leave us a review on whatever podcatching app you use. If you do not have access to a podcatching app that can leave a review, just head over to iTunes, leave us a review. Helps us out a lot, helps us to get more exposure, and we'd be ever so appreciative if you did that for us absolutely so remember we love you and in the words of tj we hope you love us too that is josh and jesse out